And good morning, everyone, and welcome to Small Biz Matters, the half-hour program where you work on your business rather than in it. My name is Alexi Boyd, your trusted small business advocate and small business educator, and that's what we're going to do today. Today is all about learning, 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 which is what we do a lot on the show. And it's been a couple of really fantastic weeks, I must say, with some wonderful guests that have been really sharing their expertise with us um, on a variety of topics. Uh, Just to give you a bit of a refresh, and these podcasts are, of course, available on the smallbizmatters.com.au website. Last week, we had uh, Steve Huey from iFlyFlat. Let me say again, fantastic business name. And his expertise is actually teaching businesses and individuals how to make the most of their frequent flyer points when they're um, collecting them and maybe using them as incentives for their staff and how to understand the different programs and the ways that the different points collectors work with the point spenders. So how, say, a bank interacts with someone like an an airline, for instance, is a fascinating topic. And gosh, we could have talked about it all day. Some really great tips that came out of that podcast as well. So make sure you check it out. The week before we had Christine Pope, who is a uh, herbalist and natural wellness expert. And she was a fantastic guest on our show talking all about alleviating stress. And I think it was a good sort of timing piece in relation to where we are in the year. We're starting to ramp up. The school holidays are finished, the traffic's back, um, the routine of everyday life is back as well. And somewhere in that, we need to factor in how we work with our small businesses and how we try and alleviate those stresses from overcoming. Some really great tips that came out of that were actually in relation to sleep um, and looking after yourself when you're awake so that when you're sleeping, you're doing a better job of that. So I think if we can all try and be more efficient with our rest, relaxation and sleep time, we might find ourselves being a little bit more efficient in other times too. So that interview with Christine Pope is available on the website as well. Um, so I'm hoping everybody is back into the of things. As I mentioned, it's uh, it's a busy time of year for everyone as we start to ramp up with uh, our client work, perhaps thinking about some business development strategies, perhaps thinking about our six to 12 month plan. Now, business planning is not something we talk about a great deal on the show, but it's probably something that we should have uh, some thought around. Um, I'm doing some presentations at the moment with a wonderful group called Seed and Spark, uh, who specialise in giving new mothers and uh, the opportunities to learn and engage and think about broadening their horizons when it comes to what's next after their children are a little bit bigger. But in the meantime, using that downtime to actually get some education uh, around that space. We're doing some workshops on small business setups and finding that the, the, the ladies who are engaging with us are pretty much brand new to the small business idea. Now, we all have to take a a step back. Many of my listeners have been in business for a good few years now and and quite successful. So well done to you. But think about what it was like when you first started out in business. And I thought that might be a bit of an interesting topic to talk about today. How do we tackle that idea of business planning? Now that we've been down in our businesses for a couple of years now, and we're quite successful. Do we revisit? Do we rejig it? Do we think about um, evolving with our business, with our business plan as well. So we're going to tackle that subject a little bit later today. What I wanted to talk about first, though, is actually something that's in the news at the moment, which is internet safety and cybersecurity, because it is actually, I did not know this until this morning, Internet Safety Day. And um, often we're talking about that when it comes to our kids. Obviously, very important and crucial that they understand cybersecurity and, well, not cybersecurity. Actually, yeah, maybe they should think about that. But thinking about how they can be safe online. But 
do we really ever give that some thought when we are a small business? I've jumped online and looked at some of some of the government websites thinking that they would be quite official, but it made me think about the interview that we had a few weeks ago with Councillor Paul Cleary, uh, Constable Paul Cleary, sorry, from the Hornsby uh, Karingai Command, who is the uh, community liaison officer. And what he found... What I found very interesting was that when we were talking, he kept on bringing the subject around when it talked about security. Uh, here I am thinking, I want to talk about alarms. I want to talk about, you know, making sure that our possessions are safe, that our uh, valuables are secure, that our premises are secure if we, if we indeed work in that space. He kept on bringing the conversation around to cyber security. And when we were in the break, I said, don't, don't you want to talk about, you know, Lock, locking things up and making sure your car's locked and all that sort of stuff. And he said, no, that is actually not where the evolution of the criminal is going these days. It is a movement towards cyber security. So coupled with that interview, I thought it'd be really interesting to have a look at some of the top tips that our government gives us when it comes to being safe um, and safe and secure from cyber threats when, as a small business. Now, one of the main things they start off with we're talking about is, and this makes a lot of sense, is backing up your data. Now, we talk about this on the show a lot. We've actually got a guest coming on in a few weeks' time who is an expert when it comes to data storage and maintenance. But um, one of the things that you need to be conscious of is n- ensuring that your data is not just backed up in one place. So many people are understanding the concept of the cloud and they're using the cloud to store and hold all of their data. Now, that's great. And I don't really think Google's going to go down the tubes. But where, where is the security in that? You could be looking at months or years of, of client data. And, and for someone who perhaps is a bookkeeper or an accountant or something involved with the financial side of things, you have a legal obligation to make sure that that stuff is secure, safe, and that your client's private information is not available to anyone and sundry. Having it in the Google Drive and the Dropbox might not actually be solving that problem for you. So one of the things they suggest is to make sure that you are constantly backing up, probably a weekly basis these days, because we work with such volumes of data every week. I think maybe 10 years ago, it would have been safe to maybe back up once a month because we weren't doing 100% of our stuff online and 100% of our stuff on a computer even. But nowadays we need to back up more regularly. So weekly is great and obviously do it in two places. Now, if you're going to be backing up to a terabyte drive that you pick up at Officeworks, that's fine. But have you ever tried to remove that data off the terabyte drive? Nobody ever does. We presume that that continues to function normally for as long as it seems to be blinking a green light at us. But we've never actually tried to extract the information off it. So one little thing you might want to think about doing the next couple of weeks is actually pulling out that terabyte drive and seeing what's on there. Is it even got any information on there that you can extract? And how do you extract it? Because I can guarantee you when everything goes down and that's your one area that you've backed up your entire business, you're going to be in a bit of a flap and you're not going to be really thinking straight when you're going to try and get it out of there for the first time. So how about have practice with getting the data out of that backup drive? And here's a tip, have two. (laughs) One, because, well, they shouldn't be kept on the same premises. So one might be at work, one might be at home or on a different premises that you're familiar with, like your parents' place. Um, The other reason is because one might not work. And so you want to at least have two there so that if anything happens to one of them, you can be sure that it's being backed up. And really, how much extra time is it to back up to two drives instead of one when you're doing it once a a week? Um, They do also suggest that you have yearly server backups. So if you're a business that has got everything on on a locally based server, that you should be completely backing that up. 
Also think about an uninterrupted power supply, a UPS. Those are very inexpensive these days. You can pop down to the local electronics stores and and get one and that will actually protect your data in the case of a, a power surge or a blackout or even worse, a grey out. Now, a lot of people don't realise that blackouts are generally instantaneous when we lose um, power, they just go. The danger point is when the power is coming back on. So when you see that moment where the lights are blinking on and off, on and off, that's when you should be lunging for the power cord and actually ripping it out of the wall because that's the point when it can fry um, your very important equipment. So my little habit is if I notice that there's a bit of a blackout or even a lightning storm, if I'm working on my laptop, I just flick out the the uh, the power a cable because if there's a sudden electrical uh, whatever if the house gets struck by lightning I'm not going to lose my laptop which is probably the most precious piece of equipment so just some information there about backing up data and thinking about internet security and then of course of course of course of course don't click on any attachments even if they are from someone you know um, because quite often you can be receiving emails from people ghosting as a a person that you know or you know do we all know a greg smith i know a greg smith so have a real uh, conscious think about things if you're not expecting an attachment from someone or you're not expecting an email even from someone just be really overly cautious another thing you can do is hover your mouse over the uh, email address of the sender because that might say greg smith But um, if you hover over it and it says some gobbledygook name and it's not the Greg Smith that you know, um, then chances are it's it's something nasty and you should delete it. And obviously there's some a lot of scams out there that we should be aware of as businesses, AGL bills, um, Energy Australia bills, even some of the things coming from ASIC these days are incredibly well done. I love it when they misspell the names of really well-known companies. That's always amusing. But <laughs> they're getting more savvy and they're getting more clever and they're getting more realistic looking. So please be careful because that is um, a very quick way for your uh, cyber, your online security to be completely diminished. I did hear a story recently from someone who provides online security to businesses and apparently one of the ways that um, a lot of uh, cyber attacks are trying to infiltrate businesses and the networks that they're a part of is actually by giving someone a USB at a business and asking them to print something. So if you're a cafe and someone comes in and goes, hey, have you got a printer? I've got this assignment that's due and I really desperately need you to print something. And they just give you some, you know, Word document that they ask you to print. It looks pretty banal, looks pretty safe. That USB key has actually got uh, potentially, not God, but potentially has a virus that you've just injected into your system. Now that can remain dormant for months and months and months until the person on the other end uh, decides to activate it and talk to it and then start extracting data out of your machine. Now remember, another really important part is if you are attacked in some way, one thing that you can constantly be doing to make sure that you've got that extra line of defence is double authentication. Now, for those of you who are not familiar, a lot of banks are asking you to do that. They might have given you a little device that creates a six-digit automated um, uh, running number that completely changes all the time. And that's linked with your account. I know that HSBC in London does it, for example. Um, And it's one extra step apart from your username and password. Now, put your hand up, admit it. How many times have you logged into your financial data, whether it's your internet banking or even something like Xero or Myob online and left your password and your username in your computer? We all do it to some extent. And every single time we do that for every website out there, um, there is a potential for your personal data to be mined. I'll give you an example. 
Uh, it's having a big altercation with Virgin Australia in relation to me not being able to extract just get into my points um, page. No big deal. I said to them, okay, well, let's just fix this. And, and what I realised going along the steps was my birth date is actually in that Virgin uh, Virgin online presence. And it made me realise, well, how many other websites out there are asking me for my date of birth? And that's an incredibly sensitive piece of information and often something that you're asked for by a bank or by a financial institution when they're trying to get you to pass the security test. In fact, it's a question that the ATO asks as well. And one thing that you can do is make sure that, well, A, don't share that birth date anywhere and also don't do that to your family and friends don't put their date of birth in your uh, contact card for them. You can put their, their date as in their, their month and their, their birthday, but don't put their actual year of birth just as an extra security thing for them because that's all the little bits of information, little bits of mind information that, you know, once they've got their name, their date of birth and their address, well, that starts getting them to access a lot of other things. So don't put people in that position in the first place. So I thought I'd just share with you a couple of top tips about what you can do to keep yourself a little bit more cyber secure and uh, think about what, where, how you interact online. Oh, just to finish off what I was saying about double two-step authentication, there is a little uh, app you can download called the Google Authenticator and it runs on uh, your device. And all it is is a running six-digit figure that is linked with the account that you've linked it to using a G code. And every 30 seconds, a new number is pre-populated on that. And that's the extra step that you take after you've logged into that particular website. It's really important that you activate that as many times as possible. If you're using Google Drive or using Dropbox on your phone to store client information or any information, you should use your uh, touchscreen or um, another authenticator to actually get into that information. So if someone grabs hold of your home phone, they don't have access to everything and all of your files. So there's a couple of little tips there from Small Biz Matters. My name is Alexi Boyd, and I thought we'll uh, cover that and come back to some more information on learning today. And after the break, we're going to talk about business plans, just a couple of really, really high level, I don't like diving down deep into those 35 page documents, they scare me, but just a couple of high level things to give some thought to as a small business. You are listening to Small Biz Matters, the half hour program where you work on your business rather than in it, dormant for months and months and months until the person on the other end uh, decides to activate it and talk to it and then start extracting data out of your machine. Now, remember, Another really important part is if you are attacked in some way, one thing that you can constantly be doing to make sure that you've got that extra line of defence is double authentication. Now, for those of you who are not familiar, a lot of banks are asking you to do that. They might have given you a little device that creates a six-digit uh, automated um, a running number that completely changes all the time and that's linked with your account. I know that HSBC in London does it, for example. Um, and it's one extra step apart from your username and password. Now, put your hand up, admit it. How many times have you logged into your financial data, whether it's your internet banking or even something like Zero or Myob online and left your password and your na username in your computer? We all do it to some extent. And every single time we do that for every website out there, um, there is a potential for in your personal data to be mined. I'll give you an example. Uh, I was having a big altercation with Virgin Australia in relation to me not being able to extract, just get into my points um, page. No big deal. I said to them, okay, well, let's just fix this. And, and what I realised going along the steps was my birth date is actually in that Virgin, uh, Virgin online presence. 
and it made me realise, well, how many other websites out there are asking me for my date of birth? And that's an incredibly sensitive piece of information and often something that you're asked for by a bank or by a financial institution when they're trying to get you to pass the security test. In fact, it's a question that the ATO asks as well. And one thing that you can do is make sure that, well, A, don't share that birth date anywhere and also don't do that to your family and friends. Don't put their date of birth in your uh, contact card for them. You can put their, their date as in their, their month and their, their birthday, but don't put their actual year of birth just as an extra security thing for them because that's all the little bits of information, little bits of mind information that, you know, once they've got their name, their date of birth and their address, well, that starts getting them to access a lot of other things. So don't put people in that position in the first place. So I thought I'd just share with you a couple of top tips about what you can do to keep yourself a little bit more cyber secure and uh, think about what, where, how you interact online. Oh, just to finish off what I was saying about double two-step authentication, there is a little uh, app you can download called the Google Authenticator and it runs on uh, your device. And all it is is a running six-digit figure that is linked with the account that you've linked it to using a G code. And every 30 seconds, a new number is pre-populated on that. And that's the extra step that you take after you've logged into that particular website. It's really important that you activate that as many times as possible. If you're using Google Drive or using Dropbox on your phone to store client information or any information, you should use your uh, touchscreen or um, another authenticator to actually get into that information. So if someone grabs hold of your home phone, they don't have access to everything and all of your files. So there's a couple of little tips there from Small Biz Matters. My name is Alexi Boyd, and I thought we'll uh, cover that and come back to some more information on learning today. And after the break, we're going to talk about business plans, just a couple of really, really high level, I don't like diving down deep into those 35 page documents, they scare me, but just a couple of high level things to give some thought to as a small business. You are listening to Small Biz Matters, the half hour program where you work on your business rather than in it. This is Triple H 100.1 FM. So just before the break, we were talking a little bit about keeping yourself secure online and because today's show is all about learning learning about trying to improve ourselves as a small business, I thought it might be interesting to revisit the concept of business planning. Now, when we start our businesses, just like these um, lovely ladies who are starting their own business workshops with Seed and Spark, when we start our own business, we really do sit down. We sit down with that business plan and we say, right, how many pages is it going to be? Am I going to do six-month to-do lists? Am I going to do 12-month to-do lists? Am I going to have a marketing and finance strategy? And you really give it a lot of thought. And then you close the book that you were writing in and maybe you type it out and make it look pretty and put your logo on it and then you literally put it off to the side for maybe two or three years. Not a great thing to do. For starters, you're not actually justifying the amount of time that you just spent working on that. But really, it's a business plan should be like your business, an evolving document. Let's take, for example, your marketing strategy. How many of us out there have exactly the same clients we thought we were going to have two or three years ago when we started compared with what we have now. I'll be honest, as a bookkeeping practice with Boyd Office Management Services, proud supporters of Triple H, I actually thought I was going to be servicing tradies. This is quite arrogant of me. I thought I'd be servicing tradies because I thought that they wouldn't be very technical, technically savvy. Well, I was completely wrong. Every tradie I met had everything on the ball. He had a system in place where he already knew what he was going to do to automate things like receipts and uh, expensifying and all that sort of stuff. He had it all sorted. And it wasn't that niche, that niche that I expected that I'd be filling. 
So I had to go away and say, right, well, what is going to be my niche? And had absolutely nothing to do six months later with what I had originally planned. Now, I'll be honest, I hate business plans, only for myself. I think they're very important. But I hate doing it. I really don't enjoy it. I don't really see the practical nature of it. I don't see how it, it fits in with what I'm doing. A SWOT analysis is great, but if you're only just starting out and you don't even know what your threats are because you really haven't researched your competition, it, it sort of doesn't make any sense. So here's what I thought we would do. Let's have a look at the process of, of creating a business plan. Just really, really top line stuff. And it might give us a little bit of thought processes to go back with um, and maybe revisit that business plan that we did do a few years ago. So I thought we'd just break it down into some really basic things. So just in, in general, uh, if we think about um, just business planning, what is it, what is it we want to achieve with it? So you want to basically have maybe a two or three page document. Um, don't just think about your money targets don't just think about your client goals, how many clients you want to have, what turnover you want to have in two years' time. Think about your lifestyle changes. What is it that made you want to start a small business? And again, two years down the track, how has that changed? Is there anything about your work-life balance that's not working? Is there something you need to tweak? Have you got too many clients that are pains in the neck that you're chasing for money and they're not the right kind of clients for you? Go back and think about why you started a business in the first place and what are your aims for in the next two years? Do you really want to keep hanging on to those clients that are only giving you very small amounts of work but seem to be requiring a lot of... Have a think about what you thought your client base was going to be in the beginning and how that ideal client face, that persona has changed. So that should be helping to draw out where you would like to see maybe your financial and your marketing going at the same time. Well, with that generalised plan in view of who you would like to work with, what sort of work you want to see coming in the door and who your ideal client is, let's give a little bit more thought to that marketing strategy. So when someone said to me marketing strategy at the beginning of starting a business, my mind went, uh, Facebook posts, uh, targeted um, flyer drops, um, talking to a guy about building a website. I mean, that's really where you're thinking at the beginning when you start your journey. Two years down the track, you've got your website. How many hits do you get a day? How many hits do you get a month? Let's be realistic. What sort of people are hitting on your website? Have you got the opportunity to, to see when someone goes on your website, how, does that, how do they move throughout it? What's their, what's their flow? Do they go to the homepage and then immediately go to contact us? Do they go to the homepage and say, read a couple of your blogs and then go to about us and then go to contact us? What is their current workings through your website? What do you want them to do? Where would you like them to go? So a lot of businesses now are starting to utilise a landing page, which helps people to navigate their website. We have this assumption that just because we've been intensely thinking about our own website for weeks at a time that the person who walks through the door and sees it for the first time is going to be able to navigate their way around. How about asking some very close clients that have been working with you for a while to critique your website now that it's been a couple of years? Does it look stale? Is there a blog post on there from a year and a half ago that hasn't been updated? That's a bad look. Are your contact details accurate? Do all of the buttons work? If you can get someone to navigate your way through their way through your website and tell you what works and what doesn't, where would they expect to go in terms of their traffic flow and where they're getting frustrated, that could be immensely helpful.
You don't even need to get them to write anything down because people go, oh, I haven't got time to sit there and write an email. Why don't you ask them to pull out their phone and do a voice memo? Do a voice memo. As they're walking their way through their, your website, they're actually talking through what they're doing and where they're finding it frustrating and where they're finding there's a blockage. Then all they have to do is send you that voice memo. It's a great way of asking them to take five minutes of their time to critique your website. You can ask clients to do that. You could ask, uh, obviously, family and friends. And you could ask, um, well, if you're feeling really brave, you could ask competitors. (laughs) Maybe not. So that's another thing. When you're thinking about your marketing strategy, now that you've been going for a couple of years, does your website still reflect what you want it to do? Landing pages are a great tool where you can literally have a button where people say, I am a blah looking for this. And then they hit on the button and it takes them to that exact point in the website. And that helps you to know whether they're flowing. And, and then, of course, I know it takes time, but after a couple of months, you need to go back and say, right, I've, I've instigated this landing page or I've instigated this new flow. Is it working? Is it changing the behavior of people who are navigating through my website? So the other thing you might want to do with looking at that new set of clients, because things have changed, your new niche, where you want your business to go in the next couple of years, is your social media strategy actually working? Now, be honest. I know we get a nice little gooey feeling whenever we have someone well-connected or someone we know and respect clicking on your Facebook posts. But are those, are those clicks and likes actually going up? Are you spending money on that time um, or are you getting someone outside to do your Facebook post? Is it really reflecting who you are? Um, do you need to make it a little bit more personal? Do you need to talk about your clients a little bit more and celebrate their successes? Have a look at the posts over the last six months and see which ones got the highest hits. And they go, oh, okay, well, they're the sort of things that people want to see and maybe that's where I need to be thinking about who is my ideal client, who is that well-connected person that I want to like and share my post, how can I give out valuable information that can be utilised by other people and shared amongst their network and then go back to that generalised thought we had at the beginning of the session where we were talking about who, where we want our business to go to in the next couple of years and then instigate it in that social media planning and don't underestimate the amount of time you spend on these things. If you're doing it yourself, you need to value your time. You need to sit down and work out what does it cost my business to run per hour? Have I, can I spare those couple of hours at that cost to be working on social media each week? And is it doing anything for me? And am I on the right platform? If I'm business to business, is Facebook really the place for me or should I be in LinkedIn? Should I really be communicating my expertise to other businesses if that's who my ideal client is? One other thing to talk about with websites and your marketing strategy, just like everything else, back up your website. Whoever is hosting your website, ask them, is this being backed up? Is there a way that I can do this? Most WordPress websites can easily be backed up with a set of instructions. And remember, like we said before when we were talking about cybersecurity, if you're going to be backing up to one place, make sure you back up to two places because one place that doesn't work is like not having a place at all. So let's talk about quickly, very top line things we're talking about today, finance. So at the beginning, we were thinking about our generalized view, our approach, where do we want to be in two years time? What sort of clients do we want to be attracting now that we've actually worked out what it is that we do? Now, we're not thinking about being what we thought we were going to be right at the beginning of this journey. It's evolved. It's changed. And like your your journey, your business plan should evolve and change, which is why I thought today we're just going to be looking at business planning here on Small Biz Matters. 
strategy. What are your overheads? Do you know what overheads are? So overheads are something that cost you to run your business no matter what, no matter whether or not client money is coming in the door. It's your insurance. It's your rent. It's your cost of your software, which when you add up all of the Google Drives and Dropboxes and everything else do actually add up, even if they're quite small on a monthly basis. It's your professional memberships. It's your subscriptions to information to keep yourself updated. It might be your uh, networking and your marketing costs. What are your overheads? Without putting any money in the door, what do you have to put out the door? Then do that little trick that we talk about on Small Biz Matters. Work out what it costs you per hour to run your business. What do you have to earn minimum per hour to make sure you're breaking even? That's a really good cornerstone of your financial strategy. Another thing you need to consider, add up, even if they're quite small on a monthly basis. It's your professional memberships. It's your subscriptions to information to keep yourself updated. It might be your uh, networking and your marketing costs. What are your overheads? Without putting any money in the door, what do you have to put out the door? Then do that little trick that we talk about on Small Biz Matters. Work out what it costs you per hour to run your business. What do you have to earn minimum per hour to make sure you're breaking even? That's a really good cornerstone of your financial strategy. Another thing you need to consider, if you are running a business, especially at home or with a family in mind, what happens when something is, somebody is unwell? You're on a good wicket, you're kind of on a roll with things, you've got client meetings out the wazoo, there's lots happening and a child gets sick. And it's your responsibility to make sure that they're cared for. What is your backup? And that kind of needs to be thought about with your finance strategy. Do you need to have a contractor on the go who you can trust and rely on to pick up that work? Or do you need to be working 24 hours a day? If that happens to your kid and you've got no backup and you've got no support and nobody to rely on in terms of taking up, picking up the slack, um, are you just going to have to be prepared to work at nights when, uh, when the child is asleep? So this does actually form part of your finance strategy because if you're thinking about what you need to earn per hour minimum in order to break even, you multiply that by eight, you have to earn that in a day. And if it means that you have to pay a little bit of money to bring on a contractor or bring on an employee to make sure that those bases are covered then so be it. And that should form part of your finance strategy. If you're at the two or three year mark, you should probably have a good group of people that you can rely on that are similar to you. That might be just another business associate or a mentor that you can say, look, you know, I'm really stuck. Can you help me with this client, this client and this client? Or even better, you've got a bunch of contractors that you've interviewed. You know how they work, you trust them and you can rely on them. And the next step after that, which is probably something you should be thinking about for growth in terms of your finance strategy as well, is employees. Have you got an eye on someone who you think you could bring on board? Don't be too slow because you could lose them to someone else. And that's a big juggle unto itself. Hey, we could talk about that in an entire different show, that's for sure. So we're thinking about our marketing and strategies, our marketing strategies and our finance strategies, those two couple of pages when it comes to our general where do we want to be heading in the next couple of years planning. And the last thing I just want to give a little bit of thought to is, is those targets. So I literally did mean two or three pages and I mean bullet point two or three pages. That's all it needs to be. If you did do that business plan two or three years ago and you put it on a shelf, take it out, dust it off, have a read, have a giggle. Say, oh my goodness, look how much my business has changed. Look how much my business has grown. Look what direction that it's taking, which is completely different to what I was anticipating. And then sit down and evolve, change, work through that document again, 
throw it out if you have to and start over. But I'm not suggesting it needs to be the 23-page document that you got as a template from the Victorian Government of Small Business template thing. It doesn't need to be that. Just give it some thought. One more thing I would say in terms of when you are setting these targets for yourself, go somewhere else that you don't normally work. If you're used to doing your client work in a particular room of your house, leave the house. Go somewhere completely fresh. Go to uh, the library, for instance. Go and find a co-working space that you can hot desk at. Go to another small business's home, (laughs) someone you know well in small business and go, look, I could really do with some company. I want to do something completely different. I need to be in a different environment. Can I come to your place for a couple of hours while you're working? And they're like, yeah, sure, we'll have coffee, but don't get bogged down in conversation, of course. So you sit there and you look at your targets and thinking about that marketing side of things, what do I need to tweak? What do I need to change? Then you talk about your finance strategy. What do I need to do to grow? What do I need to be conscious of and how much it costs to run my business? Are my insurances correct? All those other little bits and pieces that form the puzzle of your finance strategy. You probably gave that more thought when you were looking at it two or three years ago when you first started. Let's start talking about targets in relation to each of those aspects. That's all. Have six-month targets, have 12 months target. Be gentle to yourself. Three or four of each is okay. It's not a race to the bottom of the page. How long do you want to run for? Are you planning on doing this for the rest of your life? Do you envisage only doing it for the next five years? Two years has already passed and it went pretty damn quick and you've only just got started. How long do you want to go for? And then maybe in those targets, really, really down the bottom of the list, not the bottom of the page, just the bottom of the list, What about succession planning? How are you going to grow? If you don't want to grow, quite happy with where it is, is there a possibility for you to sell this business or make money off it simply as a business name? And lastly, I just wanted to leave you with something as well, which is don't underestimate the pressure of having kids and having sleep. (laughs) It's really important. Kind of brings us back to what Christine Pope was talking about a couple of weeks ago. The importance of having good, solid, proper sleep is so important. One last thing I will say, I keep on doing that. I keep on thinking of fantastic new ideas. No, this really is the last thing. If you're doing this business plan, you are not allowed to be sitting in bed with a black background and a bright screen before you go to bed because it completely undoes everything we were talking about sleep. It's very important that you don't have any time in front of a screen immediately before bed. Reading is good. Uh, Magazines are fine. Yoga, meditation, if that's your thing, do that before bed. Don't look at a screen. So whatever it is you're doing with this business plan, don't do it right before bed. So I thought I'd just share those couple of ideas with you. Let's go to a quick break here on Small Biz Matters. My name is Alexi Boyd and I think I've filled your brain with lots of fantastic tips. Let's come back after this. And you are listening to Triple H 100.1 FM. This is Alexi Boyd. Fabulous. fabulous, I just called myself fabulous. Uh, Excited, excited uh, presenter of Small Biz Matters. We've been doing this for three years and we've been educating our listeners for many, many, many of those weeks with fabulous guests and great knowledge tips. So make sure you keep listening. You can, of course, catch up on our smallbizmatters.com.au website where all of our blogs and podcasts are there to be utilised, to be shared, to be listened to. Use it as a resource. Use it as your uh, continuing practising education 
points, by all means. There's some fantastic tips all about legal, uh, you know, the advertising side of things, the marketing side of things. We've had business coaches. We've had naturopaths. We've had people specialising in points, as you know. And if you'd like to be a guest on the show, you are more than welcome. We broadcast every Tuesday here in our studios in Waitara, and we'd love to have you come and share your expertise about your business with our listeners, particularly if you are business to business. So get in touch with us via the Facebook page, Small Biz Matters Australia. You can, of course, send us an email or get in touch with us through Triple H 100.1 FM. It's been a great show, guys. Thanks for listening. I'll speak to you all next week with another fantastic guest we've got lined up. And uh, this, of course, has been Alexi Boyd on Small Biz Matters. Thanks for listening. We'll see you all next week.